Good morning. How's everybody doing? That was some great worship, huh? Can we just give that worship team a round of applause, some celebration, some honor. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Jacob Harold. I have the pleasure of leading worship here. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I get to lead that wonderful, wonderful worship team. Um, they really are, uh, it truly is an honor to lead that team. I, I think we should just give them one more. They can't even hear us one more, but just one more. They come in so early on Sunday mornings. They're here Thursday nights for forever, just preparing and making sure that worship on Sunday morning is excellent. So thank you guys for that. They'll eventually, they'll hear that eventually. So, so it's, a, it's a super honor to be up here. Unfortunately, the reason I'm up here is not great. Rich uh, started feeling sick earlier in the week, and so he called me on Wednesday and asked if I'd be willing to preach. And I was like, well, I don't really have anything ready. Do I, do I need to go off of the Label Maker series? And he said, no, you can preach whatever you want. I said, well, okay. So we're going to push pause on the Label Maker series, and being that I'm a worship leader, we're going to talk about worship today. Is that all right? Awesome. So last Sunday was Easter Sunday. That was great, right? Who, who in here enjoyed Easter Sunday? Awesome. Every single hand was up. That's great. We did a good job. <laughs> Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. You are so good. God, you are so good. We worship you and honor you in this room because you are worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. And right now, we place our hearts before you and say, come. Come, give us the words, give me the words that you'd like me to speak this morning, Lord. Change things if, if something I've written is not what you'd have be preached this morning, Lord. Let this touch our hearts in a unique way. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so my son Jackson's in the room this morning. Can we give him just a quick? He's my favorite son that's in this room this morning, so. <laughs> he, uh, he's playing baseball now, and it's pretty cool. He got his first hit. Yeah. <clears throat> he doesn't know that when he's in the room, he gets to be talked about, so he chose wrong. All right, so worship. Worship is what we're talking about today, and I'm so excited. Couldn't be more excited. Worship is this weird, sacred, and very unique expression. It truly is different for each person. For me, worship is easiest with music. I'm a musician. I, I'm at home sitting in front of my piano, and I'm instantly worshiping. I'll, I'll play my guitar, and sometimes I'll just sit there, and Steph will be talking to me, and I'm just like in this other world. For me, it's music. It's, I'm listening to her. It's just... For others, worship can be like being in nature. It can be uh, seeing what God's created. That evokes worship in us. But it's also the same for everyone. At its core, worship is giving value to something. It's actually our hearts responding to God that places value on him from our perspective. It's our ultimate expression. So in a church context, we obviously have music that we call worship. We just did it. We spent 20 minutes worshiping, 25 minutes worshiping. And we often, preachers often, they, they make sure to qualify that worship 
is so much more than singing songs, right? We've heard that a lot. Like worship is singing, but it's so much more than just singing. And it truly is. I'm gonna qualify that this morning too. It is. However, there is something truly special about songs. Songs have the ability to bring out the best in us. They inspire something inside of us that allows us to in turn give our best to him. So <clears throat> I have a favorite everything. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have like a something in my throat. <clears throat> I have a favorite everything. And in fact, when I introduce when we introduce a new song as a team, I'm often up here and I say this is my favorite song. And it truly in that moment is. Like in that one tiny week, that's my favorite song. <clears throat> I think my favorite word might be favorite. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one of my favorite things in the Bible, and it tr- this truly is one of my favorite things in the Bible, like this forever. <laughs> one of my favorite things in the Bible is Revelation chapter 4. In this chapter of Revelation, we see this amazing view of the throne room. Uh, we see an incredible view of heavenly worship. So I want to do, do a quick overview. I'm not going to read it. Uh, I'm going to tell you it like a story, kind of. <clears throat> so we enter the throne room. I thank you. I have a bottle of water up here, too, but a cold one's better. So. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Put that right there. Sorry. So we have a throne room. So in Revelation 4, we have a throne room. John's called up into heaven. He enters the throne room. And we see this, uh, we see this person sitting on a throne. It says this, there's one uh, who is seated on the throne. And he has the, appearance, he has the appearance of jasper or carnelian stone. Surrounding that throne is a rainbow that apparently looks like an emerald surrounding that throne and rainbow and whatever we we see that there are these 24 other thrones and these 24 thrones are full of elders there's a whole thing about those elders we'll talk about that another time those elders are seated on the throne they're dressed in white clothes they have golden crowns on their head we see flashes of lightning we hear rolls of thunder There are these fiery torches that have something to do with the spirits of God. And then there's the sea of glass before the throne. Okay, you guys tracking with me? Just some nods would be nice. Cool, cool. All right, now for the strange part. There were four living creatures covered with eyes, front and back. One looked like a lion, one looked like an ox, one like a man, and one like a flying eagle. They each had six wings. So we're still in heaven. We have these four creatures. This is super weird. They have wings on them and the wings have eyes everywhere, front and back. I don't understand that, but that they're there. They each day and night. So this is from the beginning of time, day and night. They're surrounding the throne saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Day and night, they're in heaven surrounding God saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Whenever they do that, when they give glory and honor and thanks to the one who's seated on the throne, those elders that we talked about, they get off of their thrones, they kneel 
before God. They cast their crowns on the ground and they say, our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you've created all things and by your will, they exist and were created. So for all time in heaven right now, right now in the throne room, there are these creatures that look crazy and they're saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. And every time that they do that, which is again and again and again, over and over and over, these other guys who we call the elders, they take their crowns off and they kneel down and they say, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you created all things. That's interesting, right? Like that is so cool. My question is, when do they pick up their crowns? Okay, that was a joke. This is, that's heavenly worship and it's beautiful and it's my favorite because it shows us what worship looks like. So we're gonna talk about worship. Before we talk about worship, really, before we get into the meat of the message, I have one more thing for you guys. I want us to truly understand this one thing. We were created to worship. Say that, I was created to worship. Y'all are listening, I love it. We were created to worship. We were created for his glory alone. And we have the responsibility to honor and to worship him. We can know that we were created to worship because everyone worships something. Everyone bows down to something. It could be money, it could be relationships, jobs, family, children, video games, TV shows, ourselves. Like there was a TV show a couple weeks ago. It was on every Friday. It's called Severance. And it was like my favorite, is my favorite thing. And I was so excited. Every Friday, I'm like, I'm gonna watch that show. I'm gonna watch it. It was it almost became worship because I set my clock to it. I knew I was gonna watch that show on Friday. We all worship something. We all have something that we bow down to. And we become like that which we worship. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the spirit. God created us to worship and in his infinite love for us, he allows us to worship him. We can draw near to him and enter his presence. And that is what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about how to experience God or how to enter his presence. Our vision as a worship team, Bruce talked about this last week during Easter, but our vision as a worship team is encounter over entertainment. Our desire is to help create an atmosphere that allows for encounter with the Holy Spirit and not one that creates an atmosphere of entertainment. So the music, the song lyrics, the worship leader, they all play a part in helping create an atmosphere where one can encounter God, but they alone cannot make that encounter happen. We must choose to enter into an encounter with Christ. So before I move forward, I've used that word encounter uh, and experience a lot this morning, and I'm gonna use it a lot the rest of this morning. And a lot of people, a lot of people will frown on that word when we talk about worship, when we talk about God, encounter or experience. Um, but I'm here to tell you that being in God's presence 
is quite an experience. I want you to look at this passage in Exodus 19. I think it's on the screen. It says, Mount Sinai was completely enveloped in smoke because the Lord came down. The Lord's presence was on it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. Does that feel like quite an experience? Like that's, that's, that would be crazy. I would not be interested in being around that really. But that, that's a crazy experience. So when we have an encounter with God, we're meeting him at the intersection between heaven and and earth. It's actually heaven breaking through and making itself known here on earth. And in the Bible, we see many instances of God's presence being experienced by his followers. And in each instance, it truly is heaven meeting earth. So I want to just list a few of these examples. In God's presence, we experience uh, comfort. God's presence provides comfort. We see that in Joshua 1 and Psalm 42. His presence is is where the voice of the Lord becomes clear. His presence brings the fullness of joy. We become changed from the inside out. His presence brings blessing. We see that in 2 Samuel with the story of Obed-Edom. He has the Ark of the Covenant in his backyard. And all of a sudden, he's super like wealthy and blessed. And King David is actually upset. And he's like, I need that. Read it, 2 Samuel 6. His presence brings breakthrough. We see this in 2 Samuel 6 and in Isaiah 54. There there are women who are unable to have children. They worship, they spend time in his presence and their wombs are open and they actually are able to have more children than those who already have children. And then in Psalm 73, we see that his presence brings clarity to our perspectives. His presence truly is the place where the impossible becomes possible. And every heart whether it knows it or not, longs to meet with God. We all desire to be in his presence because we're created to worship him. And it's in worship that we can say yes to that desire of meeting him. We'll come to understand. We'll come to understand that God has been anticipating that moment with us as much as he has as much as we have. He wants to and will draw near to us as we draw near to him. So finally, we reach the point where we start the message. Praise God. Can I get an amen in this room? So my goal for today is to share seven understandings about worship that will help us form pathways that will lead to encounters with God. That is really small. I'm so sorry. Seven understandings about worship that will help us form pathways that will lead to encounters with God. We're going to jump right in. The first thing to understand about worship is that worship is face to face. Psalm 27, eight says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, I seek. Scripture shows us that there is no force or nature or nothingness at the center of everything. In fact, it reveals to us that at the center of it all is a person and that this person is knowable. This is someone who can and wants to be known. So encountering God is much like experiencing the presence of a person. So how does, how does one get to know a person? It's simple. You communicate. You ask questions. You have intentional communication. 
So I remember when Steph and I were first beginning to get to know one another, uh, after two years of friendship, so we knew each other for about two years, and we were friends for the most part. Uh, we went on a couple of dates. She wouldn't let me buy her flowers. It's a whole thing. But we went on a couple of dates. We were friends. She left and went to Prague for a year. She spent a year in the Czech Republic. Does anybody else feel like she did that to leave, like to get away from me? Because, okay, thank you. <laughs> That's how I feel too. But she married me, so we're good. She moved to Prague to teach English for a year. And it was in this year that we got to know each other deeply. We would write emails back and forth almost daily. We would communicate over something called instant messaging. I'm sure some of you have heard of that. We communicate almost daily over instant messaging. And then we would like video chat once or twice a month. Like I said, we'd known each other for two years at this point. But it was through our intentional communication back and forth that I truly got to know her. I got to know her personality, her motives, her perspectives. I learned more about her in those 10 months than I did the previous two years. It's through intentional communication that we begin to know someone. And experiencing God's presence happens the same way. We get to know him through his word, that is the Bible. Then we progress past just reading the word and into understanding through prayer and worship and study. We begin, to, we begin to understand who he is. We understand his personality, his motives, and his perspectives. We begin to know what he's like. Psalm 42, 2 says, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? You might not know it, but that's what we long for. That's what we all long for, is to meet with God. And the Holy Spirit makes it possible to meet with him. Sunday mornings, worship nights, and other forms of corporate worship are one place that we can encounter God's presence. So as you enter your next time of worship, simply ask him. Simply say, God, meet me here this morning. God, meet me here at this worship night. God, meet me here as I'm playing piano, as I'm driving my car, as I'm whatever it is that you're doing to worship. God, as I'm reading my Bible this morning, meet me here. And ask yourself if you're ready to meet with him. Ask yourself if you're just going through the motions of church, which is so easy to do, or are you prepared for an encounter with him? Worship is face-to-face, and that begins with knowing him. The second thing to understand about worship that will help us form pathways to encountering him is that worship is a posture. Worship is a posture of expectation. We must expect him to draw near to us. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If we don't anticipate his presence, his drawing near to us, we can actually miss him. His promise to us is that if we search, if we raise our expectations, then we will find him. And as you know, his promises are yes and amen because we sing that song. So you guys should know that, right? Come on. I love it. This is silly, but as I said, Jackson's been playing baseball. 
And I love it. I love it because that means that we kind of get to toss in the backyard. And we hadn't done that much for him growing up at this point. But in the last six months, we've been tossing a lot more. And uh, sometimes... I can get to thinking about other things while we're throwing the baseball back and forth. You know, he, he, I throw it, he doesn't always catch it. So he like runs and goes and gets it. And then he turns around and he throws it back to me and I catch it. I throw it back. He does it kind of, so then we kind of do that over and over. Finally, I'm thinking about something else. And all of a sudden the ball's flying past my head. I mean, he just like throws it and it's, and you know, internally I'm like, well, I could have just died. (laughs) I'm a little upset, but the idea here is that the baseball is always, present. If I take my mind off of it and I put my mind on other things, I can miss it. He can throw that ball and it goes right past my head. And I'm like, ah, I miss it because I'm not thinking about it. I'm not focused on it. And it's the same thing with God. If we take our minds off of him, if we're in worship, if we're in, if we're studying, we take our minds off of him and all of a sudden we're thinking about, well, okay, I want a Big Mac. I want pizza. I want to watch a show. I want to watch a movie. I want to do this or that. I want to do this or that. I want to play baseball. I want to play video games. If we take our mind off of him, we can miss him. First Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. What the writer is describing is this incredible fact that while God is unseen physically, he reveals himself to our needy hearts. So if we're focused on him and we're in worship or we're studying or in our car driving to work, worshiping him, there may be times where we're overwhelmed by this sense of his great love and affection for us. It's unexplainable. It's otherworldly. I've heard, I've heard people talk about this all the time. I experience this. We're in worship and all of a sudden you're just overwhelmed by this sense of God's love. You might even start tearing up. I see people cry sometimes during worship, right? <laughs> there are some people that cry over here in this, in this section. <laughs> Maybe you felt that before during worship. That's God's presence. Experiencing God is like noticing a quiet voice in a loud room. He's always speaking. He's always moving. But we have to be searching for him and we have to expect him to move. A few nights ago, Steph was praying with the boys and uh, she, she asked them like, what are you worried about? How can we be praying for you? That kind of thing. And Jackson and Levi share a room. And so she asked Jackson to pray for Levi and for Levi to pray for Jackson. And they're both kind of like, well, I don't know what to say. So, you know, Steph being the amazing mother that she is, she says, well, just close your eyes and ask God to tell you what to say, to give you the words. And so Jackson, little Jackson, he goes, that, that, that never works for me. That never works for me. And honestly, that's probably a common feeling. We all feel that way. Like we'll close our eyes and say, God, speak to me, speak to me. And we just hear nothing. And that never works for me. That's, that's how we feel. So the next morning, I told Jackson as we were driving to school, I said, ask God these three things and expect him to respond. One, God, what are you doing? God, where are you moving And God, how can I be a part of it? What are you doing? 
Where are you moving and how can I be a part of it? Ask God those three things and expect him to respond. Expect to hear from him. The third thing today about worship, the third thing to understand about worship that will help us form pathways to encountering him is that worship is a place. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and enter, uh, give thanks to him and praise his name. So I spoke on this earlier today. Songs are a gift. They allow us to move beyond our interior noise and into his presence. We can go through the motions and just sing a song or we can enter the song. We can make the truth of the song real for ourselves. And God is often waiting for us to take a step beyond just the motions and into the truth of the song. See, songs are beautiful because they give us language that allows us to express feelings and thoughts that we otherwise would not be able to. Songs are unique. They're anointed. They have words that, you know, sometimes when we sing a song and there are these words, I'm like, oh my goodness, I would have never thought to say that. I would have never thought that that's something I could say in worship. It's beautiful. Songs give us truth. They give us language. We sing a song around here called King of Kings. Well, actually, we sing two songs called King of Kings. Uh, and we've done them on the same day before. That was my fault. Uh, we sing a song around here called King of Kings. And, and, and jokingly, we call it Second Kings as a band because it's the second King of Kings that we've sung. And we actually just sang it last week at our Easter service. And I call it the best worship song. That's my nickname for it because it, Craig, right? I mean, it pretty much is. There truly is, there's something so unique and refreshing about this song. It really is just an incredible worship song. And it's an easy song to just sing. It's got phenomenal lyrics. Musically, it evokes like an emotion in you. There's this part in the bridge, which is like the middle of the song. There's a part in the bridge where the band is just playing one chord and it's just kind of sitting there and we're singing quietly. And then we raise and we, we jump an octave as vocalists. And all of a sudden the band hits this progression and it just hits so hard. There's this, there's this like physical and emotional response that happens when that part comes. And then the chorus, it has this beautiful lead guitar part that Evan just absolutely crushes. It's like his song. He's over here playing it and it just is amazing. Bruce is sometimes involved and he plays the bass and it's okay when he does that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just kidding. I love Bruce. Recognizing those things though does not equate to stepping into the song recognizing how great a song is, recognizing how this emotion happens and how amazing this part makes you feel, that does not equate to stepping into the song. Letting the lyrics become real to us is stepping into the song. Letting the lyrics become real allows us to express them as our own feelings. Worship songs are designed to be engaged with, not just sung aloud for the truth, but sung to God vertically to God, not just about him. The pleasure of your presence is what we've always wanted. 
The pleasure of your presence is what we've always wanted. That's the first line of King of Kings. When you sing those words as your own song, you're inviting God into an interaction with you in that moment. You're making it real for yourself. You're stepping into that song. Much the same as when Levi runs into the room and jumps on my lap. Levi, he wants to be closer than close. Like he wants to be inside of you, I feel like. He jumps and he puts his face on as close as possible to being inside of you as he can. When he, and I, I don't like to be touched, so. <laughs> Levi runs into the room and sits in my lap. Being in my presence is all that he wants. Being in my presence in that moment is the only thing that he wants. And by making that gesture, by running into the room and jumping into my lap, he's inviting me into an interaction. And the beauty of our father, the beauty of God, is that he always responds in the affirmative. When you want interaction, he wants interaction. Sometimes the boys will ask me to go outside and play and sometimes when they do that, my answer is no. They'll ask me to play board games, and I'm here to tell you, I don't love board games. They're just not fun for me, unless I'm winning. <laughs> and my answer sometimes is no. With our Father in heaven, the answer is always yes. The answer is always yes. It just takes getting past ourselves to enter God's presence. And songs, the beauty of songs is that they help us enter that place of connection with him. Amen. Ah, I just love that. The fourth thing to understand today about worship that'll help us form pathways to encounter him is that worship is a response. 1 John four nineteen says, we love because he first loved us. Scripture shows us that he is pursuing us and we have the opportunity to respond to his pursuit. Have you ever thought to yourself, like you've come in here on a Sunday morning, you thought to yourself, why do we do this? Why do we sing songs? Why, why, I don't like to sing. I don't want to do this. Have you ever thought, why am I listening to a lecture on a Sunday morning when I'm not even in college? I've thought that before. We've all thought that. I know we have. Why do we do this? We do this because he first loved us and he's continually still loving us. He created this exercise of worship, worship being music, worship being the word, worship being whatever it is that you do to worship. He created that as an opportunity for us to experience him and his love. He cares about us. He cares about you right where you are right now. And he cares about what we care about. He's not interested in our religious performance. He's not impressed by how many songs we sing or how long our services are today. He's not, <laughs> he's not worried about how long our prayers are or how many big words we say during a prayer. What he is interested in is our response. He's, he's, he's excited about our response to his glory. He's excited about our responding to him. So how do we respond? Well, the Bible tells us that we are to ascribe glory 
to God. It's our job to recognize that God is loving and good, kind and sovereign, and then we tell him that. We ascribe that glory to him through our words, through our actions, and through our songs. Sometimes we come in here on a Sunday morning and we just don't feel like worshiping. I'm there with you. I come in here sometimes and I'm like, I wish I could go back to sleep. I'm tired. I'm worn out. I had a hard week. I almost got hit by a baseball, like all those things. But to exalt God is to push past our own emotions and do what scripture commands us to do, which is to give thanks to the Lord. And as we give thanks and respond to him, as we praise him because of who he is and what he's done, we line up our emotions and our thoughts with what is true. And in that we actually become aware of God's nearness and we experience his presence in our praise. So as you enter your next time of worship, ask yourself, am I leading my emotions or are they leading me? Am I allowing my emotions to line up with God or are they leading me? Worship is a response to his glory and we must choose to push past our emotions and to respond to him. All right, quickly, we've got two, two more or three more. Okay, number five, worship is embodied. Worship is embodied. Psalm 134 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, it's weird how some people raise their hands during worship. You ever thought that? Raise your hand if you've thought that. Sorry, that was because then you had to raise your hand. <clears throat> it is weird. It is kind of weird. I, I, I'm right there with you. It can feel weird. It's probably uncomfortable, and it really doesn't make sense, right? But the Bible shows us again and again that there is a physical expression of worship in addition to our internal expression. In fact, the Bible is so full of these external expressions that sometimes I think they may be more important than the internal silent expressions. And while maybe not more important, they do need to be something that we take notice of. One such instance in the Bible, and this is probably my favorite, shows up in 2 Chronicles 20, uh, verses 20 and 21. It says, in the morning they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. The next one, the next part of it says, Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise. Says they're literally to raise their hands. The splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. That part there, then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise. That where it says literally to raise their hands. I put that in there. That word praise is actually translated into raising their hands. It actually in Hebrew means to raise their hands. So if we read that again, First of all, they won the battle, just in case you're wondering. The next passage says, the moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against their enemies. The moment they began their shouts, their singing, the moment they began to sing, and then their praises, literally, the moment they began to raise their hands, 
they won the battle. The Lord set an ambush against their enemies. So what happened there is Jehoshaphat sent people like me, who I could not be in the army. I just couldn't do it. He sent people out like me, little musicians, to sing and to raise their hands. So we have people, are we getting this this morning? Okay, I'm gonna do it one more time. We have people who are walking in front of the army who are singing and they're raising their hands and that is how they won the battle. Can we get an amen in this room? I love it. Raising our hands in worship is not a show. It's not a production. It's not so others see us and see how holy we are. Raising our hands in worship being physical is an act of worship in and of itself. There are so many more examples of this in the Bible, uh, raising hands, kneeling, clapping, shouting, jumping, playing music loudly. I think that's why we do it here. We play it because it says in the Bible. (laughs) We are to use our whole bodies to engage in worship. It's important that we continue to grow and move and get out of our comfort zones. It's uncomfortable to raise our hands sometimes. It's uncomfortable to move and to sway and to be physical. But we have to get out of our comfort zones. Have you ever tried raising your hands, not as an emotional response to the music, but an expectation and to express his worth? The next time you're in worship, raise your hands at the beginning of a song to worship him as an act of worship. Number six goes with number five. Worship is all-encompassing. Romans 12 says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul wrote this passage to Jesus' followers in Rome, and this metaphor would have been clearly understood by the readers. There's this great understanding of sacrifice in those days. And the one thing that rang true about an animal sacrifice offered during worship was that the sacrifice was completely dead. (laughs) And what Paul is saying here is that as dead as a dead sacrifice is, that is how alive our offering of worship to God needs to be. Inviting God into the way that we live our lives and engaging with him as we live them out is one of the ways we offer ourselves to him in worship. We give him our work, our bank accounts, the food that we eat, the conversations we have, the arguments and the pride. All of that can be given to him as a daily sacrifice and it allows us to experience him in our daily lives. I feel like I feel like this concept can be a little difficult to put into words sometimes, so let me say it like this. Offering our lives to God as a living sacrifice means living a devoted life. Praying and worshiping, caring for the poor, walking in purity, honoring our families, serving others, and saying yes to God in difficult moments. Working hard even when we don't like our jobs, stewarding our finances well and stewarding our time and our energy well. These are all ways to respond to God during our day-to-day and each of these can lead to an encounter with him. He will join join you if you welcome him into your life and your decision-making. Our time, our life, our energy, our talents and resources 
are just another avenue with which to worship the Father. So lastly this morning, the seventh understanding about worship that will help us form pathways into an encounter with God is that worship is an opportunity. The Holy Spirit is present at all times and in all things. We just have to lean into what he's doing and invite him to move in our midst. There are, there are two forms of God's presence. There's this omnipresence, which means that he's everywhere at all times, in all things. And then there's his manifest presence when he shows up in a moment, when he shows up at a certain time and does something different in one place than he's doing in another place. I say, come Holy Spirit a lot when I'm leading worship. I say, come Holy Spirit all the time. When I say that, I literally mean, come Holy Spirit and do right here and right now, in this room, in our midst, what only you can do. Allow us to experience, to encounter your manifest presence in this place right now. He's always moving. And we have opportunity after opportunity to engage with him. We just have to recognize him. Instead of seeing these corporate worship times or any time of worship for that matter as something you do, see them as opportunities to experience, to encounter God in all his love and splendor and goodness. Practice being quiet and listening to what God might be whispering to your heart for yourself or for others. Allow yourself to just yield just a bit to what, to, uh, to what you hear and welcome God to heal your inner and outer wounds as you sing these thanks and praise to him. As you're living your day-to-day lives, expect him to move. Expect his activeness in your life and in the lives of those around you. Ask him those questions. God, what are you doing? Where are you moving? And how can I be a part of it? What are you doing? Where are you moving? And how can I join in and be a part of it? As Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven, listen and watch for those opportunities, those moments where heaven is breaking through. These seven understandings of worship may seem somewhat disconnected, but put together, they can help us form pathways to encountering God. Worship is face-to-face. It's relational. We should come into this relational activity with an expectation that God is going to be there at that place of worship. And if we understand that we are responding to his move in our lives, we'll be willing to give him our whole lives, even our physical engagement. Every moment in worship truly is an opportunity to engage with the King of Kings, our Father God, who loves us so dearly. If you're longing to connect with him, to connect with the Father, we're gonna have prayer teams at the front who can pray with you this morning. So if you're on a prayer team, come on forward. If you're longing to connect with him, come forward. Have a conversation with our prayer team members. Have them pray for you. Have them ask 
that question with you, God, what are you doing? Where are you moving? And how can I join in and be a part of it? They can pray with you about anything. If you have emotional needs or physical needs or spiritual needs, our prayer teams would love to pray with you. Let's pray and close this morning out. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the life you gave on our behalf. You are so worthy to be worshiped. God, we long to be in your presence. We long to know you deeper. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would, uh, in this coming week, Lord, that you would be in our lives as we invite you into what we're doing and how we're moving, Lord. God, I pray that you would join us. And God, next week, I pray that you would open our hearts to a deeper um, moment in worship with you. We love you and give you everything. It's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week.